Our family's COVID-19 story started before the government placed Metro Manila under the enhanced community quarantine. It was March 16 when my father first started experiencing flu-like symptoms. He eventually lost his appetite and after a week of losing sleep, he requested that we take him to the hospital for a checkup. After a series of tests, he was diagnosed with moderate-risk pneumonia and also got tested for COVID-19 as part of the hospital protocol. He was advised to isolate himself at home for 14 days while waiting for the result of the swab test and take the prescribed medications for his pneumonia. By God's grace, he recovered from all the symptoms he experienced after a week. But the sad news was, we found out that he was tested positive for COVID-19. After finding out about my dad's condition, I suddenly could not sleep properly. I lost my sense of taste and smell and experienced difficulty in breathing. I was asked to undergo swab testing as well. I got a negative result and was relieved of my anxieties. And come May 1, I was surprised to find out that I tested positive for COVID-19. Despite my previous negative result, I was then transferred to a hospital in Manila to be monitored and isolated. Another sad news came after a few days. As the result of my sister's swab test came out, she was the third confirmed COVID-19 case in the family and she also had to be isolated. It was a very saddening and tiring situation, but I still praise and thank God for sustaining us and providing for our daily needs. Our mom and youngest brother were left at home without much resources to get by. But the Lord touched so many people to help us. We experienced God's comfort and blessing through the overwhelming support of our friends, relatives, and brothers and sisters in Christ. Encouraged by everyone's prayers for our family, we did not let the situation stop us from worshiping God and sharing the love of Christ to those who don't know Him yet. Please listen as my father, Daniel, shares his isolation story. There were around 112 confirmed COVID-19 cases that were quarantined in Ninoy Aquino Stadium, COVID-19 quarantine facility, when I arrived there last April 26. Knowing this encouraged me because I realized that I was not alone in that situation. As I tried to keep myself busy with reading the Bible and listening to Christian teachings, I saw an opportunity to share the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ with my co-patients. I started writing them a letter of hope, faith, love, and trust in the power of God. I shared that letter to them and encouraged them to read and pass it on to the other patients in that facility. What an amazing privilege to reach even in isolation. Because of strict facility regulations, however, I was not able to follow up or check up the responses of my co-patients to my letter. This, however, did not discourage me or stop me from praying for them daily. I believe that as long as I've done my part, our sovereign God would make new way to speak to their hearts. The hospital I was in needed to undergo renovation so I had to transfer to another wing. That was when I met Dindo, 
when I got the news that I finally tested negative for COVID-19 last May 21, I was both relieved and unsettled. Relieved because I could finally go home to my family but unsettled because I still have not shared the gospel to Dingdo. With the doctor's consent, I decided to stay in the hospital for another night and by God's grace, I was able to speak about the love of God to Dindo before leaving. I explained how it is only through the finished work of Christ that we are saved from eternal punishment or going to hell. I told him that all he needed to do was to repent of his sins and believe that Jesus Christ is Lord in order to claim that promise of eternal life. It is in moments like this that God never fails to remind me of his promise. I am his, he is my shepherd, no one can snatch me out of his hand. I may not have been protected from the virus, but I am confident that I am eternally secure. He loves me so much that he gave his son Jesus Christ to pay the penalty of my sins. COVID-19 was God's way of pointing me back to the gospel. As of this writing, all of us in the family are now home and fully recovered from the virus. I learned so much as our family battled with COVID-19 and I'm truly blessed to say that our family became more prayerful and dependent on the Lord during this season. The even greater blessing is that we were able to share the hope that we have and the hope is found in Christ alone. My name is Jarel Pilarta and I am Daniel Pilarta. To God be all the glory. Wasn't that a wonderful story from the Pilarta family? How God can use even circumstances like sickness and COVID as an opportunity to glorify Him through that family's choice. And that's what we wanna do today. It's day three of our prayer and fasting, and as we go through this time, we want to look at the family and the youth. And the wonderful passage that was assigned to me to share is one of my favorite verses now, especially as I look at it. And for many of you that are familiar with it, let's unpack this today. It is from Psalm 127. And here's how it goes. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. Now, this is such a rich, set of verses, and the challenge for me is to keep it really contained. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna see what God speaks to our hearts. I do not know where your families are right now, but my prayer and our prayer is that this short look at God's powerful word will be of comfort and perspective for you, however this finds your family and for the young people who are also watching this today. So let's unpack this, shall we? The first thing we wanna look at in this beautiful psalm is the context. Now, when we look at the context, it is a psalm of ascents. What does that mean? There's a set of psalms that were tucked into this beautiful Bible from Psalm 120 to 134, which the Jewish pilgrims every year during three annual festivals, the festival of unleavened bread, the festival of harvest, and the festival of boots. Every year, they would climb about 2,700 feet to go up to Jerusalem, and as they would now go up, they would be singing these songs. So one of the scholars whom I respect, Chuck Swindle, says, it's kind of like today and the way we sing Christmas carols. 
So every year around December, and you know, if in the Philippines, of course, as early as September, we start hearing these Christmas songs. And for those that are focused on Jesus, we like listening to the words, remembering what they really mean, and help bring us back to the whole spirit of what that season is about. That's the same thing here. As they now go and ascend, they're singing these songs and they're remembering some critical truths that have changed them as a people that will continue to speak to their hearts as they go about doing it. So that's the context. And Psalm 127 is one of the unique verses amongst these songs of ascents that are actually written by Solomon. So having said that and given that as the context, what we want to now unpack from these verses are three critical truths. Truths that we can help maybe swim or wash over our our conditions right now in our spirits as we are trying to make sense of how to move forward in a time like this. So I pray that as we look at these three, once again, it will change us. So three things we can learn as we unpack Psalm 127 and we'll go verse by verse. The first two verses tell us this, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It is vain, there's that word again, vain, for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Now, is God saying don't build a house unless he actually literally does it or don't protect the city or worry about that or don't work? That's not what we're seeing. We're seeing, once again, God looking into the heart condition. He's, being, he's reminding us that if we are the ones who are striving, striving to provide comfort like a home would, would provide us, or security like a guard or a watchman would do in a city, or if we're the ones striving to be able to provide for these food, it will all really be in vain. Unless it is the Lord who is actually the one guiding us in these areas, unless we actually surrender and trust him to be able to guide us through these things, then you know what? It will be in vain vain. This is what we are being reminded of as we look at these first two passages. So what is the truth? What is the truth that they're essentially singing that we need to be able to also sing, maybe not literally, but also remind ourselves, especially in times like this, when it comes to our families. Here's what we can pick up. We need to say, Lord, you take control. And we've spoken to some dear friends at a time like this where they're also stressed about providing for their families and the state of their businesses. And you know, as we were praying and and looking to God, we were reminded of this truth that, hey, you know what? This business isn't actually yours, it's the Lord's. And the sooner we're able to remind ourselves of whatever that is that we might be holding on to and saying, God, we don't own any of these things. Even our family and kids, we want you to take control. Once we do that, this truth is able to relieve us of unnecessary stress and will allow us to be able to get peace and perspective which is badly needed at a time like this. So that is the first truth. We need to let God take control. So here's the phrasing that I'd like to use in this first principle. First principle. It is that God must be Lord of all. When we look at you know, this, uh, the set of verses here, um, it's interesting how Solomon, the author of this, says in Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse two, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Everything that we might actually be pursuing is vanity, everything. Any of these things that we might sincerely be wanting to do for our families, for ourselves, are actually vanity, meaningless, except 
I love how he says in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, when Solomon looks at many of the things he's done, and he's built a house also that is quite spectacular, as we know, right? He's looking at his life, and as he closes Ecclesiastes, he says the conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments, because this applies to every person. So what are we seeing here? Fearing God and obeying his words are what will actually give our lives meaning. Fearing God and obeying his commandments are what will actually give us the perspective needed right now. So instead of getting worked up and stressed, we might want to say something like, Lord, this is your business. Lord, this is your family. Lord, this is your life that you're allowing me to live or lead or steward. Will you guide me? Will you show me through your words that I might obey you and follow your leading as I go through this? This is the wonderful truth that we first see here. Do we, are we able to say, Lord, God, you are Lord of all. Take control. I love what Hudson Taylor says along these lines. He says, unless God is Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. And now is a wonderful time to ask some hard and honest questions. In our families, in our sincere desire to take care of them, provide, and navigate through this crisis, are we striving? And are there areas which we're trying to take control of and we're still trying to own and hold back where everything else maybe we've surrendered to God, we need to be able to say, Lord, all you. It's all yours. I surrender it all because I want you to be Lord of all. That's this first truth. So as a practical application, once again, unless the Lord blank, what is it for you? In this case, unless the Lord builds the house or guards the city, it could be unless the Lord pivots his business or it could be unless the Lord takes care of your family. And I love how if we look at the Pilarta family who just shared their testimony, it's a wonderful sync how they showed that God is Lord of all. In their lives, he is Lord even over the sickness that had plagued them, so much so that they were able to find peace and perspective through that crisis and use even that crisis to give God glory to show their reverence for him and to obey his instructions, getting the gospel message out to the people they interacted with. What a powerful and wonderful sharing. So that is the first truth. God should be Lord of all. Let him take control. So let's move to the second point. Let's look at verse four and five and see what God speaks to us as we look at the truths that we can see from Psalm 127. Here's what it says. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. I love this, this visual here. So what are we seeing? It's pretty straightforward. If the first truth we saw in verse one and two is to remember that God is Lord of all and we are to let God take control, here we're seeing God is saying children are a gift, a reward, but also a responsibility. This is the truth, and therefore, as parents, let me speak to parents right now, we are to rise to the occasion and treat this responsibility well. That is the truth and the application we see from these verses. Um, let's unpack this a little bit more by, by looking at the visual. Uh, like I said, I like the visual here. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. So here's the visual. I'm gonna show you a bow and arrow that we've had as a family in one of the uh, recreational times we had. We bought this in the US. And I love the visual because 
There's many things to talk about when it comes to the responsibility of parents with their children. But here's the one that we see in this verse. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children in one's youth, right? So if I'm a warrior and this is my bow and arrow, what is my job? What should I do with that arrow? Obviously, back in that time, it is for warfare. It is to help hit the target, destroy the enemy and all these things that the arrow should be able to do. And how do I do that? How do I help it hit the mark? My goal is to point the arrow in the right direction and then release. I am not gonna release this right now for obvious reasons, but you get the picture. And that is the picture that we're looking at. As we look at the word of God, as we look at the scripture and the word of God, we're reminded of that principle. As parents, and we're gonna have a full explanation on the role of parents in an upcoming Motivate campaign, so please stay tuned for that. We'll unpack parenting principles blow by blow. It's gonna be amazing and life-changing. In the meantime, here's what we're looking at. When we look at the idea of the arrows and the warrior, the responsibility of the parent is to now point and release. Point, our goal is to help make sure that the ultimate target, the ultimate aim, is that our children love God with all their heart, soul, and strength. And that is clearly stated in Deuteronomy 6. As we think about doing that, and as we establish that, pointing our children, connecting him to their true father, helping them love him with all their heart, soul, and strength, follow his ways, that is what we should be doing. That is our responsibility, pointing them in that direction. We also need to remember this wonderful visual of release. Once again, we are not the ones really in control. It is the Lord. So whenever we start trying to take control of our children, for example, helicopter parenting, where we're hovering over our kids, maybe some parents who are listening right now are guilty of this in a time of COVID. They're micromanaging everything their kids are doing. They're looking over all these things, nitpicking all for, over all these things. And I've been guilty of this, to be honest, at some point, which is why the Bible tells us, do not exasperate your children. So let's not be helicopter parents. We need to learn to, what's the picture? Release, release. We point them to the Lord, we connect them, and we need to give a little bit of that release. We should not be hovering over all of the things they're doing. The other thing we need to remember in this picture release is we need to battle what is called child-centric parenting, where our whole life revolves around our kids, that we neglect husband and wife relationship, we neglect the things that God is asking us to do in going out and reaching out to other people and getting the gospel message to friends, relatives, et cetera, et cetera. Because we're so consumed, we have made the, our children our world. Maybe it's even a coping mechanism because you don't want to have to deal with any of the other stresses with your spouse uh, and other people. So I would encourage you, as we look at this picture, the truth is it is a responsibility. And the responsibility is to point and then release. Now for the children, what are we seeing? For the children, although this might not be where the analogy continues on, the reality is you cannot blame your parents. You cannot say, well, my parents did not point me in the right direction, that's why I'm a mess right now, and that's why I'm doing all sorts of things. The reality is, at a certain point especially, if you're listening to this and you're understanding what I'm saying, it has to be your faith. And this is my deep passion for many young people. My prayer is, if you are in a Christian home, let the faith that you have heard from your parents become your own. You need to be able to embrace Jesus with all your heart, soul, and strength, with your own choice. 
and so that all the other choices you make will be along those lines. That is my prayer for you, and that is the spirit of this. Like an arrow in the hand of a warrior, so we do our part as parents, we point, but at that point, you need to hit the mark. You cannot let things distract you from the trajectory that God has in store for you. So, how do you do that practically? My encouragement for you, there are many other verses that will speak to us, and again, wait for Motivate. In the meantime, here's something you can do as young people. Obey, honor. Obviously, where our parents are asking us to do things against the Bible, we don't do that. But otherwise, we need to obey and honor our parents and our authorities. Ephesians 6, 2-3 reminds us of this. Remember, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you. It's interesting that that part, it may be well with you, is only in Ephesians. Paul adds that. It's not actually in the Old Testament, because the Old Testament has this next part, and that you may live long on the earth. Why would he do that? God wants to remind us how important this is. So let me overemphasize that once again. Obedience brings blessings. Honor your mother and father. That is within your control. Where obviously they're asking you to do something that is aligned with the Bible. Another practical thing for you so that you don't get distracted from the target and hitting the mark, young man or young woman, young man or young lady, I encourage you to look at Psalm 119 verse nine you might be distracted in the area of purity, and this is a big one today, isn't it? So I encourage you, do this. Remember that you can also let God take control of your life. He needs to be Lord of all in your life as well. So in the area of purity, Psalm 119 verse nine tells us, how can a young man stay pure? By um, looking and studying and reading and loving the word of God. So I encourage you to do that. Study, learn, and love the word of God so that this will be your anchor and prevent you from being distracted from things in the area of purity or rather in the area of impurity, which can be super disastrous. So that is my encouragement for you. Don't be distracted. Finally, one other practical thing is you can use this young season of yours to do amazing things for the Lord. I like how Paul says this to young Timothy. He says, 1 Timothy 4 verse 12, and you might know this, don't let anyone, I'm gonna use NLT, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. You can be amazing for the Lord. Do that in this season so that you might be able to unpack all that God has in store for you. And obviously, I have a bias in saying this, and I hope my, my children are hearing this, because this is my heart for my children. This is my heart for young people, is that you will become amazing for the Lord and not waste this season, because that is within your control. That is what this picture looks like. For us parents, once again, children are a gift, a reward, and a responsibility. For young people, you also have a responsibility. Hit the mark. Do what's within your control. Let's wrap up. So we've looked at the first, the large part of Psalm 127 where we've seen two truths so far, that God is Lord of all and we should let him take control. We've looked at the responsibility and the privilege, if you will, of raising children, right? So we need to rise up to that responsibility and for young people, you have a responsibility also. Hit the mark. So as we looked at those Two truths, let's wrap up with the third. And I love how the Bible will give us instructions and then show us what God's heart is, how he wants to be able to bless us. Here's how he wants to bless us as we look at the last part. He says, for families that walk and follow God's design and obey him, 
as we've seen in those first two truths. Here's what happens. Verse five, how blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. What does this mean? I've wondered that a couple times. What does it mean not be ashamed to speak with their enemies in the gate? Essentially, so scholars have several perspectives, and here's a couple of them. Uh, if you're able to raise your children the way that God has said here, and they rise up to the responsibility, then when you now go, and meet with people who will challenge you at the gate. So many um, judicial discussions, you know, deliberations happen at the gates. They can be witnesses to your character and your person and defend you and you will not be ashamed. The second part of it has to do more with physical battle, right? The enemies come to the gate because you raise them well to love God and have a boldness in him, if you will. Then with the sons that you might have, you might be able to battle and literally defeat the enemies at the gate and not be ashamed. But the essence of that is that if we're able to follow God's design for the family, we will be able to experience his great blessing in the form of our family. And so here's what I wanted to close with you guys. I wanted to close by looking at the next chapter, Psalm 128 and how it gives us a wonderful picture of what this looks like, this third truth. The third truth is when we fear and obey God, God will bless us. A good family is one of his great blessings. Here's what it looks like, and it's so beautiful. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you shall eat of the fruit of your hands, you will be happy and it will be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children like olive plants around your table. Behold, for thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion and may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Indeed, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. This is my prayer for all the families here. And there might be some families who are hurting and saying, you know, Edric, we're really going through some major crisis right now. The good news is God knows that. And because he knows that, he is the designer of families. He wants what is best for all of you. I encourage you to now follow his design and watch God rebuild and restore and allow you to have this same vision which we've looked at in, one, in verse 128. A wife like a fruitful vine within our home, our children like olive plants around our table, for thus shall a man be blessed. That is what God is showing as a vision for us if we are to now obey and fear and do what he asks us to do in our families and in our lives as we've unpacked here. Let me close with uh, something personal to me. You know, in terms of vision for family, to be honest, Maybe some of us, we're just not content. And it's funny because as I unpack this, uh, I remember this scene in this movie, Greatest Showman, where a dad had a vision. And I was like this. Maybe some of you dads here have this grand vision. I had this crazy vision. I wanted to have a billion dollar empire. And I would have houses in every major city in the world where I would just fly to. And as I had this, I would minister, you know, like very comfortably. I have my own jets, crazy, right? I, I had this crazy vision and my family would be so happy because we had this kind of life. And as I got to know the Lord more and God broke me and I really got amazing encounters with him, I realized wrong vision. And I've made some mistakes as a result of these kind of crazy visions. 
And as God broke me and reminded me of this, there's this picture in that same movie that I was talking about, Greater Showman, at the end where this dad has this crazy vision also. He feels like that's what it's all about, really. That's the vision. And so he tries and get, he wrecks so many things. He ends the movie with a scene that is very tender. And I love how it reminded me also of this same vision. He's now there watching his two daughters play a ballerina performance, and his wife leans on his shoulder, and he starts saying these words. Let me read it to you. He sings it, actually. It's everything I ever want. It's everything I ever need. And it's right here in front of me. He realized that there was a lot of discontent that had driven him to do so many crazy things. And maybe that's part of why you're restless right now. Maybe you feel sincerely, you sincerely desire these things for your family, but God is saying, actually, that is your vision. That is not my vision. My vision for you is to follow me and obey me and apply these principles in your home. And you know what? When you do that, you'll be able to have that same contentment and that same peace and you will be able to look around at the family that God has given you, and you will say, you know what? Yes, Lord. Everything I ever really wanted and needed in terms of family is right here. And that deep sense of contentment and gratitude is a great blessing in and of itself. That's what happened to me, to be honest. I learned that, and that's what I wanted to encourage you with. So once again, today, as we look at family and the youth, I do not know where you're at. God does. Let's remember this. When we obey and pursue what he wants. When we cease the striving on our own, catch the vision he has for our family, that is the point where we will see him do his part and bless our families. So that is my prayer for all of us, that he would bless our families in great ways. All right, so let's pray. As we go into this time of prayer, just a few reminders. Uh, we want to encourage you to please pray with those in your household to really take this time to be able to pray for one another and pray with each other for the prayer points we will be showing here in a bit. Number two, if you belong to a D group, we encourage you to preset a time of daily prayer with each other apart from these nightly online gatherings. And finally, if you are a guest, of course, um, and you want to be prayed for, uh, or you have questions or just want to know more about CCF, you can engage with us in our online chat ministry where you can connect with someone and you know what, we would love to hear from you.